Hey guys, you're listening to the podcast. Thank you so much. I am so humbled by your time and your attention. Man, it would mean the world to me if right now, if you texted one of your friends with a link to this podcast and you were just like, hey, check this guy out, give this guy a listen, you know, I think fitness, finance, faith, you know, it might help you out. Help me spread the message, help me spread the word. Man, it would be phenomenal. F-Cubed podcast, we are back again. And, you know, I've really enjoyed kind of doing this on a daily basis. It's been uh, it's been a lot of fun, man. I really hope you guys have gotten something from this. You know, as I kind of referenced in some earlier episodes, I mean, these podcasts are really a lot more raw, a lot more unfiltered than some of the other stuff that I do. Like, I'm trying to make my YouTube videos a lot more... You know, I don't know if polished is the right word, but, you know, there's a lot more preparation involved when it comes to some of the things I do on some of the other platforms. But when it comes to the podcast, man, I mean, I don't know if, you know, if you guys are anything like me, when I fire up a podcast, you know, for myself to listen to, you know, I kind of like hearing just unfiltered, raw thoughts from whoever I'm listening to, you know, just kind of maybe the behind the scenes stuff, the stuff that you might not get. When everything is kind of, you know, prepared and really well thought out and what have you. But my hope, of course, is still, you know, maybe this is eating up some time on the treadmill or your commute or whatever for you, which would be great. But of course, I still hope you get something from these and it's not just me, you know, rambling for the sake of rambling. And let's be honest, man, I can ramble, right? I can certainly, you know, I can certainly fill the air with my words and so... That being said, let's stop rambling and let's get right into it. So today, today I wanted to talk about RPEs and fatigue management. So this is something that is a relatively recent discovery in my training repertoire, if you will. And by relatively recent, I mean, you know, probably in the last uh, three to five years, I would say, I've started using this. I mean, it has now become a cornerstone of the way that I train myself, the way that I train my athletes, the way that I train my clients. I mean, I just think that this is really, really useful. And it's something that a lot of people haven't ever really considered, at least not in a formal way, like what we're going to talk about you know, here today. And so RPE, so what is RPE? So RPE stands for rate of perceived exertion. I've also seen it relative perceived exertion, but it's pretty much the same thing. And I actually borrowed this concept from the powerlifting community. And so I am a competitive bodybuilder. I am not a competitive powerlifter. I did do one random powerlifting meet like, wow, man, this was probably... I think I was, was I in Memphis when I did this? I think I may have been in Memphis when I did this. I can't even remember. So I mean, eight, nine, 10, 11 years ago. I mean, it was a long time ago. I just did a random powerlifting meet where I just did the deadlift portion of the powerlifting meet. And I think I, if memory serves me correctly, I think I pulled 485 clean and I missed 495 because they called me on a hitch on the 495 and so like it was legit like I definitely hitched you know multiple times 
in that rep. But I think I pulled like 485. So nothing, you know, nothing to write home about. Not for my training experience and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there are people in my weight class pulling way more, you know, than, than I would pull. I think I was like the only one in my weight class that day, though. So I think I took first place. And so that was kind of cool. But uh, but anyway, that was the extent, the beginning and the end, potentially, of my powerlifting career. I may I may step back on the platform in a formal way sometime in the future. But right now, you know, speaking of singularity of purpose, a post I did on Instagram recently, you know, my purpose right now, my singularity of purpose when it comes to training is I want to turn pro on the natural bodybuilding stage. I am funneling all of my resources into that one end goal. And so... I still train very much as a powerlifter because I think it's the most efficient and effective way to train. But, you know, as far as formal competitive desires, they're not really there. But that being said, this was an idea that I borrowed from the powerlifting community. I think it might also be prevalent in the running community, which is definitely a space that I know almost nothing about. But I think just in my search, you know, learning about the idea and the concept, I think runners might use this a lot too. And the basic idea is it's on a scale from 1 to 10 and 1 being very, very easy, 10 being very, very hard, all out, maximum effort, maximum intensity. So it basically allows you to gauge whatever activity you're doing and put it on kind of a standardized scale that can allow you to measure and track the intensity that you are applying to whatever it is you are applying it to. And so if we take that idea and we immediately kind of apply that to the gym, you know, you can do that on a set-by-set basis. And so it doesn't matter if you're doing a set of six reps or three reps or 15 reps. It makes no difference. You can still apply the RPE scale to each set. And so if you do a set of five, and you feel like you had nothing left, it was all out, you could not have done another rep, or you failed on the last rep, like you literally did not do another rep, then that would be an RP of 10. And then the way that most bodybuilders, or potentially even powerlifters, will utilize the RPE scale then, you know, moving kind of backwards on the scale, is an RPE of 9 would mean you had one rep left in the tank. An RP of 8 would be 2 reps left in the tank. RP of 7 would be 3 reps left in the tank and what have you. And so basically, you know, an RP of 10 is all out. An RP of 1 is like 9 reps left, like, you know, don't even bother kind of. You know, so a lot of bodybuilders, at least the way I apply it, I don't even put anything down if the RPE was under 5. Because that's really, you know, it was basically too light to even reference the RPE on. So to me, the bottom of my RPE scale starts at 5, and I don't even try to do too many sets at 5 or 6, not on purpose. Sometimes I will if I'm searching for the right weight to use, or I'm rehabbing an injury or whatever. There's definitely a time and a place for that lighter work. But in like a typical standard working set scenario, I typically try to live between 7 and 10. And so... You know, so why is this important? Well, I think that most of your work should be done in the 7, 8, and 9 range. And I think you should really milk those 7s and 8s for all they're worth. 
And so when my bodybuilding career started, I mean, I was of the mindset that, man, if you didn't go to failure on every set, like if you didn't go balls to the wall, like blood dripping off of your skin every single time, you were leaving it, you were leaving too much on the table. You were leaving too much on the field. You had to go all out every set, everything you've got. And so that's how I trained for many, many years. And I mean, I was training six days a week, Monday through Saturday, hitting you know each body part multiple times a week. You know, and it was a typical bro split, man. I had chest day, I had arms day, I had shoulder day. You know, I had left serratus day. I mean, you know, I did all that, and I somehow managed to hit things like one, one and a half, two times per week. I mean, I was training twice a day sometimes. And I was in my early 20s, and I was just banging my head against the wall, trying to figure it out, you know? And interestingly enough, that worked. It worked. I am now fully convinced, in spite of what I did, not because of what I did. There is no question, knowing all that I know now, that I did not optimize my training. That I did not optimize my training, that, you know, just when I think back to that time, man, I mean, it was just... It was like a light switch. I mean, for me, it was either on or off, black or white, all or nothing. That was the way that I trained. That was the way I lived my life, you know, honestly, without going off on too many tangents. But that was definitely the way that I trained. Like when I was in the gym, it was all or nothing. You know, if I didn't go to failure, then I almost, I remember there were some seasons of that, <laughs> of that training time in my life when if I didn't go to failure, I didn't even, I didn't even record the set. Like it didn't even go into my notebook. I was like, yeah, well, that's a wasted set. I was like, I need to, I need to get into this, man. Like, what are you doing, dude? Stop wasting time and get some work done. That was the mentality that I applied to my training. Well, as a result of that on and off mentality, I mean, I can tell you, I remember feeling burned out a lot of the time, having so many sessions where I just wasn't into it. And, you know, I mean, that still happens to me today. That happens to all of us all the time. But it happened more frequently than I think it needed to happen. And you guys know how it is, man. I mean, you get in the gym and you're just not into it. You, you know, when you're not into your sets, when you're distracted or you're just feeling run down or whatever, you just don't have the same quality of a workout or a session that you would have when you're really into it. You know, you feel good. You're locked in. Like mentally, you are where you need to be. Well, when you take everything to failure, when you're in that on-off mentality, I mean, you're going to get burned out very quickly. You're not going to be able to recover from all that training. And so as a result, you know, best case scenario is you start feeling burned out. Worst case scenario is not only do you feel burned out, but you start to get hurt. You start to get injured. And you get nicks and dings that then can potentially escalate into longer-term injuries. Now, praise God alone for the fact that I didn't really suffer too many major injuries throughout the first, you know, my 20s, the first 10 years of my t- training career. Nothing super major. Even since then, in my 30s, I've had a couple of things crop up with my neck. That was really kind of serious. And my hamstring and my shoulder, but nothing so serious that I couldn't continue to train around it. So I give God all the credit on that one for keeping me safe, even in the midst of my stubbornness and my just banging my head against the wall for far too long. And so, 
the main takeaway that I want to, that I hope you guys can pull away from this, is this. The number one roadblock to your reaching your goals physically, and I'm talking about just from a training standpoint, right? This is obviously, you know, it's a fitness only podcast, but inside of that, it's a training only podcast. I'm not talking about nutrition. That is kind of its own thing, obviously. But from a reaching your goals standpoint through or down the training path, I think the number one obstacle that we all face is injury, is being hurt, is getting put on the shelf to where you either A, can't train the way that you want to train, or B, you can't train at all. And the quickest way to get injured is to go all out all the time. You're just, you're really playing with fire, man. And you can only cheat death so many times and then eventually it's going to get you. And so I think that, you know, again, keep in mind, I'm 36. I'll be 37 in a few weeks. You know, I just told you guys to open this up. I just discovered this, let's say five years ago. So that's 32, right? Well, that's around the time that, you know, my neck was injured, you know, and my hamstring's a more recent thing. That's But that's around the time that my neck and my shoulder started to give me problems. Neck being very serious, shoulder being a little bit more of a gradual thing. But I'd be willing to bet that that was the product of all that headbanging I did back in my 20s. It just finally took its toll and all of that accumulated damage that I was doing just day in and day out. You know, it was finally time to pay the piper somewhere. And for me, I think it came in the form of my neck and my shoulder. And so, you know, fast forward to more present day, the last five years, by applying this philosophy, not only have I made you know, gains, not only have I made improvements in my physique that have been noticeable for me on stage, like my lat width, for example, like my triceps, for example, a couple of areas that I really worked hard to bring up these last few years. And, you know, last summer when I was fortunate enough to take, take home the novice title, you know, when I got on stage that day, I mean, my triceps were a strong point. My width was actually pretty respectable. You know, and so these were areas that I had the longest time trying to improve and just, you know, bring up to a level that I was proud of. And I was able to do that, applying an RPE type of, you know, approach to all of my training. And not only that, but while rehabbing my neck, that that was so bad to where, you know, at it, at its peak, if I turned my head slightly, like just a few degrees to either direction, like I was in immense pain. My right shoulder, if I was, you know, if I could, you know, if I if I tried to lift my shoulder at all, if I tried to do any kind of a pressing moment, pressing movement, I would just feel this dull pain that just really sapped all my strength. Well, applying an RPE scale and being smart and not being in a hurry and taking things gradually and slowly, I was able to rehab my neck and still train. I was able to rehab my shoulder and still train. And I'm now in the midst of my hamstring is nearly 100%, again, applying the same principles. You know, the rehab and the stretching and the myofascial release, that's its own, those are its own podcasts for sure. But the RPE stuff and not feeling like I need to go all out every set has been an absolute blessing in disguise for me to discover. 
And so there's a time and a place to go all out. Like there's a time and a place to hit those tens on the RPE scale. Those have a home in your program. But man, if you if you can learn to live in the sevens, eights, and nines, man, I just really think you will be so much better off. You know, you want to think about health. You want to think about longevity because I don't think there's a single person listening to this podcast thinking, all right, you know, I want to blast onto the scene for the next two months, three months, six months, and then I just want to fade away into the dust, man. I want to never be seen again. I don't think I don't think anybody, I don't think there's anybody listening to this podcast that is thinking that way. If you're thinking that way, then you need to hit RPEs of 10 across the board. You need to draw blood every single time because that's going to get you where you want to be. And I pray that you stay healthy and you achieve your goal. But I don't think anybody wants to do that. I mean, I know I don't. And I'm 36, about to be 37. I want to train for another 10, 20, 30, 40 years. I want to be like one of those dudes that you always see, that token dude at bodybuilding shows, right? It happens every single time. If you've never been to a bodybuilding show, then just take my word for it. But you always see a dude that shows up that is in like his 60s or 70s. And he looks better than most, you know, dudes in their mid-20s. Dudes walking in just totally shredded, right? Just came out, just came, you know, just came out of like, you know, his, I don't know what you do when you're retired. I tried to think of something clever and witty there, but nothing, nothing came to mind. So whatever people do when they're in their 60s and 70s, I don't know, I guess I should ask my dad. But whatever people do, you know, to pass the time now that you're retired, my man walks in straight out of that lifestyle and he's just completely sliced, completely diced totally shredded wheat. There's always a guy like that. Well, I want to be that guy. I want to figure out what you do do when you're in your 60s and your 70s. And while I'm doing that, whatever it is, you know, I want to, I want to still be able to train with a reasonable amount of intensity. And so the pathway to get there is thinking about health and longevity. It's not thinking about short-term success at the expense of long-term success. And so that's it, man. You know, I rambled on a decent amount there, so I hope I didn't turn too many people off. But uh, that was pretty unfiltered. That was pretty raw. I mean, those are my thoughts about RPEs and fatigue management. You know, maybe it, it, it motivates you to think about your training in a different way. I would start to, you know, if you want to apply this right away, I would start tracking your RPEs on all of your sets. Not warm-up sets, obviously, but anything where you're really trying to get some work done. And I would strive to live in the 7, 8, sometimes 9 region. And then every once in a while, you know, you hit a 10 just to kind of see where you're at and maybe push the bar up a little bit in terms of the weights you should be using. And then of course, you know, you're rehabbing injuries, you're probably going to live around four, five, and six. And so hopefully this was helpful for you guys. And I hope you guys have a really great weekend and we'll see you guys next week. Thank you guys. Thank you guys so much. If you wanted to take 10 seconds and hop on over to iTunes and leave me a rating, you can five-star it, you can one-star it, but you obviously should five-star it. Write me a review. Man, that would mean so much to me. I would be so appreciative. And uh, yeah, that's it. God bless you guys.